Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the IB Network. I am your host, the Commish R.C. Carlton, and today I'm going solo. What I'm going to do or try to do to the best of my ability, I used to do these podcasts all by my lonesome, but in developing the network and interviewing people, I've gotten used to other people's voices. For the longest time, it took me a long time to get used to not being alone. Now I have to get used to being alone again, but I want to get this content out. And sometimes it gets annoying to try to always plan it with someone else and and navigate all that. So what we're going to do today is we're going to go over the biggest surprises so far of the NFL season. And we're also going to give out our awards for the season so far. So far, I think the biggest surprise started week one, that Monday night. We didn't really think it was going to be that. It was a one-time thing. And a lot of this, my surprises, I'm in the school still, so it's after school, so you'll have to excuse that bell. You might get a couple bells, actually, which might make this annoying. But you have Geno Smith outplaying Russell Wilson. And I got these from Mike Sandoz, uh, the surprises. Mike Sandoz, uh, pick six column, which is really good and athletic. He also does the QB tiers. So he's always a good read. But uh, I agree with these. I'm just going to put my spin on them. You wouldn't have thought. Geno is one of the biggest surprises of the season. And all of these people, all these years, have blamed Pete Carroll and kept saying, let Russ cook. When the offense looks better with Geno, and Geno looks better than Russell has looked in years, I mean, in years. And on one hand, Russell Wilson's contract is worth $245 million. Geno Smith's contract is worth $3.5 million. Seattle's six and three. Geno Smith is top 10 in completion percentage, where he's first. Seventh in yards per attempt, fourth in touchdowns, passes, passer rating. He's fourth and he is in expected points added per pass attempt, eight, and EPA per pass play per drop back. He is ninth. Denver's three and five, and Russell Wilson is outside the top 10, even as low as 31 in those categories. So it's really amazing. And for what we want to blame the coach. We want to blame Hackett, blame Wilson. But this has been a shock to me. Uh, Seattle really hit it with their draft class. I think that's been crucial. But also, it's just Geno has come out of nowhere. We haven't seen anything like this since maybe Rich Gannon. I keep likening it to Kurt Warner because he just came out of nowhere. But Kurt Warner didn't really have any kind of career and he wasn't a high draft pick. Uh, Trent Green got kind of good at the end or in the middle of his career, but then he got hurt. So that's another comparison, but we don't have a lot to compare it to. And it doesn't look like an accident and it doesn't look like a system thing. Gino is literally just airing the ball out and playing amazing football. He's a legit MVP candidate, which I never thought I'd say that even come out in the draft. And I looked at a lot of Gino tape uh, when he played for the Jets his rookie year and his second and third year. And there was some promise 
especially with his ability to stay in the pack pocket and throw, uh, just stay down the gun barrel and make really good throws. But I never, then they didn't put him in good positions. They did a lot of deep routes, not a lot of short, quick stuff, but he's throwing the ball down the field. He's doing short, quick stuff. He's got everything going on. So like Gino said, I didn't write back. The second thing that's a shock this year is that the Bucks and the Packers are both below 500. Tom Brady decides to come back. His life falls apart. Uh, Aaron Rodgers decides to come back, and his team fell apart. I knew that it just wouldn't be an instant thing with Adams leaving and them not really – the arrogance of Green Bay is they really don't have to go out and get anybody. And they'll always say, oh, we try to get this guy, we try to get that guy. You need to get results. But the thing they really believe, they can draft and they can grow all the way way back to the Ted Thompson when he was GM. They believe they can be homegrown and grow these people. And you really can't do that. The times they did win the Super Bowl with Reggie White coming over as a huge free agent. And the other time, Rodgers got really hot. But other than those two, you haven't seen that, you know, unless you're going back way back to Bart Starr in the beginning, the first two Super Bowls. You haven't seen that. And there has to be some sort of urgency to go and get better, like the Rams have done in the past, like you saw the 49ers try to do. You've got to strike the iron while it's hot. You've got to be aggressive. Fuck them draft picks. That's what I'm saying. You've got to get players. A player is a lottery ticket. So if somebody says, would you rather have $100,000 or a million dollars, or would you rather have a lottery ticket? Because that's what you're doing. It's a lottery ticket. Slightly better odds, possibly, depending on what pick you get. But it's a lottery ticket, as opposed to having cold, hard cash that you know the value of. And they just haven't done that. And Rodgers has not had a lot of help, and he finally just looked horrible Sunday. The interceptions, the frustration, the lack of leadership ability that we've seen over and over again with Rodgers, he, there's no one else on the team. I won't say no one, but the team doesn't have the internal leadership. It's a very young team now, especially on offense where you had somebody like James Jones or Randall Cobb before he got hurt or Devontae Adams to play off. Now it's just Rodgers with these little chicks. And these little wee little chicks are scared to death of Aaron Rodgers. And that's actually to the detriment. He doesn't trust them. They're scared to make a mistake. Romeo Dobbs got hurt. Christian Watson is always hurt. Cobb got hurt. So it's not a lot for Rodgers to throw to. He just played awful. They marched up and down the field the whole first half. He threw interceptions. I think he threw one in the third quarter, too. Uh, Then you got Tom Brady. That offense is broken. They look awful. They won that game because the Rams pretty much gave it to them. The defense played well, but you can't continue to go like this. You're not going to win games scoring 13, 17, uh, 20 points. That's not going to be enough to win or go anywhere. And I don't see how they fix it because they're still going to have the same weapons. He's going to force free Mike Adams. Uh, Fortnite is washed. The internal part of the running game is gone. I've been saying it for years and years and years, maybe not years and years, but a lot of years. Tom Brady, and I have to go back and look because on the podcast I used to say it last year, Tom Brady's record with with 
almost said no Allie Cox, but no, Allie Marpet, their guard. It was fantastic. When Allie Marpet didn't play, the record wasn't that good. And now Allie Marpet has retired, and they've had injuries at center and at guard. And it's not the same line, especially in the run blocking. That might be the last bell, I hope. That might be one more bell. But that internal part of the line is not functioning. And you can't function that well with your second and third, possibly fourth string guys out there and you're switching guys around to different positions. That kind of thing happens. So that's part of it. And I don't think it's so much that Brady has played poorly. He's not played great, but he's a rhythm guy. But he's not had the run support. He's misses Antonio Brown, so my brother's brought up. He needs that guy that can catch the ball over the middle. He misses Gronk. He needs the guy who also can work the middle of the field. He needs a running back that can catch the ball out of the backfield. They're doing that a lot with Fortnette, and that's not Fortnette's ministry. And those are the problems. So it's been surprising. I thought these teams would have enough talent to at least make the playoffs, definitely win the division still, and maybe be, uh, what, 10-7. and seven. Uh, 11 and six, but not neither one of these teams are going to get anywhere near that. Green Bay is just not good. And I think Tampa Bay is mediocre. They could still pull out winning the division because it's so horrible. But Green Bay is not. They don't look better than Detroit. Well, maybe they did those turnovers, but they really don't look better than Detroit. The next one is the Jets. They're six and three. And something that's happening these days and something that's happening in the NFL right now is that these teams, these very smart coaches are able to hide their quarterbacks. Offense is down and they're benefiting because they're playing this uh, defense is playing the cover two. They're eliminating deep passes and explosive plays. But these defensive coaches or these really smart coaches like uh, Brian Delbo uh, for the Giants right here in, with the Jets, you, you're, you're taking these quarterbacks who are not good Make no mistake, these quarterbacks, Wilson is not good. Jones is not good. So what Robert Salah has done is done is try as hard as humanly possible to make Zach Wilson as little of the game play as possible. And he still messed up against the Patriots. They had to take him aside and just say, look, dude, throw the ball away. You don't have to make a play every time. You have to be patient. You have to be boring. That's not his personality. But he played a lot better, and he couldn't play much worse than he did against New England. But he played a lot better. And the Jets have been doing it with defense and the running game. And in a year like this, a transitional year, where this may happen every five to seven years when the defense catches up, you probably could win. You could sneak a, a Super Bowl out of probably playing defense and running the ball. But it, it's just amazing to me that these guys, I promise you that's the last bell. It's amazing to me that these guys are getting away with it, with either quarterbacks playing so much greater than you ever thought they would play, or quarterbacks that we know are not that good with Daniel Jones, with uh, Zach Wilson. And in some ways, they are, um, with like Justin Fields, you're figuring out what he can do. And they're not winning per se, but they are playing better and they're being more effective offensively. Also, Atlanta Falcons, what they've done, a primary running system, and they, you know, have been floating around 500 all season. 
The next surprise would be the Rams. They're the Super Bowl champions, and I know this happens a lot, but you didn't think with as loaded as they are that this would happen to them. They have the fifth worst offense by EPA, and it's the largest, uh, second largest year-over-year EPA drop in history behind the Indianapolis Colts, and that was when, let's see, that's that's these Colts, this, this year's Colts, so <laughs> dropping um, uh, Matt Ryan and putting up the kid, uh, what is his name, Sam Ellinger, uh, for Texas. So it's been amazing, but it's mostly because the line has really got gotten horrible there. And you do miss Odell. Now, Robert Woods didn't play, but the only viable threat you have is Higby and obviously Cooper Cup. Stafford, he tends to hold on to the ball. They tried to get him out of that, but now he doesn't have as many people open. He has an 8.9 sack rate. He's been sacked 28 times. That is the most he's been sacked through eight games. And he only got sacked. Let's see. Yeah, and he got sacked 30 times last season. All of last season in 17 games, he got sacked 30 times. He's been sacked 28 times already. So that's a lot of it, and you don't have the playmakers. And I don't know if Cooper Cup is hurt, but, I mean, he's good, but it doesn't seem like it was last year. It, it, I mean, he's not like, I don't know. He's not Tyreek Hill, but I feel like he's more explosive, and maybe that's because more people are focused on him because he's the only damn option they got. So I think they're done. I do think they're done. Uh, the Colts and their failure, I would say, biggest surprise probably the season so far is Jeff Saturday getting hired. The Colts have spent a lot of money on their O-line. They are paying Quentin Nelson, Braid Smith, and Ryan Kelly between $12.4 and $20 million per year, and the line is one of the weaknesses of the team. It's so rare when you invest this much money in a position group and they end up being one of the weaknesses. And if you look at the stats, Matt Ryan was under pressure and getting killed all year long. When Matt Ryan had time, he didn't play that poorly. He's one of the leaders in yards total this season. Now, granted, he threw the ball a lot, but also the promise was, like with Carson Wentz, there'd be a line in a running game, and Matt Ryan did not get that. So I'm not sure what Jeff Saturday's going to do. Um, it's an Ursa kind of thing, and I have – been tough on that a little bit in social media and I listened to Ursay and he has hired two black coaches but I do think it shows the system and and what how the system is broken not the person Ursay just crazy and wild but at some point when is the crazy and wild gonna go to the black person when is the black person gonna be the underqualified unqualified person why is it always always the saltine that's unqualified like Campbell, a tight ends coach, like Joe Judge, a special teams coach. Guys with thin resumes are never the black guy. You can have a great resume like Eric B. Enemy and still not get it. The white guys get the retread, the second chances. The black guys don't get that. Or if they do get it, then it's a really crappy job, like Levy Smith. So that's kind of what we're saying. Like, you know, even for this, like Jim Caldwell, 
he's been your coach before. Like, he could be on there. You got Reggie Wayne on the staff. You want to go outside the box. But, hell, just to the white coaches, you got John Fox on the staff, uh, a very successful uh, NFC, champ, NFC champion and got us into the Super Bowl. So, uh, you know, that could be delved deeper maybe on the You Got a Minute fan podcast. And I would say, and the last surprise is the Giants, six and two, under new coach Brian Doeyball. Uh, the Giants have not met their Vegas expectation for win totals since 2016. All they need is two. I remember Joe and I agreed. He said it was a little high for seven and a half, but there are only two victories from crossing that seven and a half threshold that Vegas have them. Uh, they have gotten there by making the NFL's largest year over year EPA improvement on offense that's estimated points added 11.1 per game that's a lot and they've done it without major upgrades in fact one of the upgrades from last year barely plays Kenny Galladay they just traded Tony they have no receivers they just have Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones who also runs the ball really well now, I don't know what they're doing the second half of the season, but I see a 10-win team here. I really do. So, you know, I don't think they're going to go. They're going to run the table, and I don't think they're going to be uh, what? I don't, I don't think they're going to only lose two more games for the rest of the season, but I do, I do see a 10-win team. I see a 10-7 team. That would be pretty much going 4-5 and five, the rest of it. So, I mean, it wouldn't be the worst thing ever. Now, let's get to the awards. MVP award. Now, we could look at this uh, a couple of different ways. I think Mahomes, obviously, obviously is a candidate for the MVP award. I love what Mahomes is doing. I do hold that stinker against the Colts, against them. Uh, I don't know. I, I I I like Mahomes and I love what he's doing and it's beautiful. And maybe for the whole season I would, but honestly, and this will be outside the box. But from what I've seen, it's Tua, the most valuable player in the league. Is Tua because what that office is and what it is not when he's in there. He runs it perfectly, just like he did at Alabama. Two is the league's best passer, and it's not close. He leads the league in QBR at 79.1, yards per attempt at 9.2, EPA per dropback at 0.34, passer rating 115.9, first down rate 43.1%. Per, the man, now he did miss two and a half games, but I'm still going with him right now. He is the definition of the award that I have seen I, I I think, now nah, I don't know, maybe. I mean, I think the Chiefs would still be winning if Patrick Mahomes didn't play. Maybe not this record, but they'd still be winning. Maybe they can make the playoffs. Jalen Hurts, I think they could still play, and they can make the playoffs. But without Tua, you saw what they have. And so that's how I would have it right now, just because Tua is killing every offensive stat, and maybe it's part of the system, and maybe he's being carried by his receivers, but he's distributing the ball and getting them to the, the ball like a point guard. After that, I'd go Mahomes. Then I'd probably go Josh Allen, then Hurts, then Geno. But, you know, I, uh, if I had to pick, 
that, that wasn't a great game. Some of these games, that Miami game and that game last week where uh, Allen making so many mistakes. It seems like he's destined to be the MVP, but he's made so many mistakes in some of these games. And granted, they put a lot on him, but I, 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 I can't ignore that. So I would probably, I mean, I probably still pick. Allen number two, maybe. I don't know. Between Allen and Mahomes. Uh, comeback player of the year. A uh, very close second to Geno Smith is beautiful. But I like to get the comeback for somebody that's hurt, that had to. That's the intent of the award, that had to deal with things. And that ACL that Saquon Barkley, last year he wasn't quite the same guy. And now he's back to that guy that everyone drafted. And everyone saw him at the draft or, and, and predicted he would be, and he's carrying this team. So you can get. Good afternoon, everybody. It is roughly 340 on this fine Tuesday afternoon. We will be closing the building at 4 o'clock. Thank you. You can give it to either player, but I do believe that I would take Saquon. That remains to be seen if there's another injury with. Saquon, but I still would go with Saquon. Coach of the year, it's tough because you got Nick Sariani, who obviously they're undefeated. How could you do that? How could you go against that? Mike McDaniels, six and three, but he's turned the team around with his system and his quirkiness. Uh, Ryan Robert Salah, Jets, six and three. Nobody saw that coming, but I'm going to give it to Brian Dable because they suck. I'm sorry. They're one of the least talented teams in the whole entire league. And there they sit at six and three. So give me Brian Dable. I'm sorry. I don't know who else. It's a miracle what I've seen from that team. So uh, give me Brian Dable and the New York football giants for coach of the year. If we were going to look at defensive rookie of the year, uh, Devin Lloyd has been a standout for the Jaguars. Uh, Tariq Woolen has been amazing. But Sauce Gardner has been locked down. He got caught by Stefan Diggs early in the game uh, last week, Sunday. But after that, nothing. So he's just been, he's coming to league. We haven't seen a guy coming to league and be like the lockdown corner in a while. Even though uh, the kid from the kid from Denver is really good, he sauce kind of travels. He's got that press coverage. He's got that that Dion type lockdown corner kind of mantle, and his stats have shown it and back it up as well. So I, it's tough, but I, I think I like sauce. I like sauce. Uh, he's got thirteen passes defense as the nearest cover. Nearest defender in coverage per NFL next gen stats. He's generated 26.3 EPA. The only other quarterback above a 20 is Philadelphia's James Bradbury. So you just see, dealing with a highly, and his, his uh, stats as far as quarterback rating against, all those stats are really good. And he's playing man coverage basically on an island most of the game. You've got to give it to Sauce. Offensive rookie of the year. Garrett Wilson's been inconsistent, but a lot of that is because of his really, really sorry quarterback. Uh, 
And you also could give it to Alavier, who's also been really good. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, it's, it's a tough one, but I'm not sure who I would pick. You got the Ohio State kids. You got Pierce, who's also really good with uh, the Texans. But so far, I think I would give it to Olavier. He's like the main weapon for the Saints, and he stands out, and he kind of jumps off the page. So we will give it to him. Apologies to Brees Hall, who I think would have been someone I would have seriously considered, but he got hurt. Uh, defensive player of the year, Nick Bosa has been great. He missed a little time, uh, 8.5 sacks. Uh, he's missed a game and a half. Maybe he'd have more sacks if he didn't miss that game and a half. But there's been nobody like Michael Parsons this year. He has been dominant. Even if the sack stats don't necessarily say it, he leads the league with 36 pressures. And he's among – he creates pressure faster than anybody else save Aaron Donald. So his pressure gets there quicker than the other people's pressure, and that is disruptive. He's disruptive. You see what the Eagles had to do. You had to put your whole game plan against him every time you face him, and that, to me, means something extra. And he's the only person besides Aaron Donald, which teams are building entire offensive game plans to try to stop with apologies to Nick Bosa. They're, you know, they'll chip it. But the amount of time and the amount of energy and the amount of attention that Parsons draws away or draws to him enables his teammates like Lawrence to play so much better. Offensive player of the year, Diggs, obviously been awesome. Nick Chubb, been awesome as well. Uh, but it's Tyreek Hill. The man is on pace for 2,000 yards. Never been done before. 1,104 yards. Uh, it's 237 ahead of of uh, Jefferson, who's been amazing. He has 76 catches and 48 first downs. It's amazing. He's got the league's second highest target share at 30%, 36% of the targets. And he has 4.0 yards per route. So as far as ESPN has been doing this since 2007, no receiver has ever averaged more than 3.6 yards per route through the first half of the season. The only guy in history since ESPN has been doing this to average more than 3.5 yards per route run over the first nine weeks of the season is Robert Gronkowski in 2016, and he missed two games. Hill averages more yards every time he runs a route than Randy Moss did the year he broke Jerry Rice's touchdown record. It's an amazing season it it is like some kind of combination of Jerry Rice and Randy Moss because he's catching the possession kind of stuff and he's catching the deep balls it's unbelievable in some ways maybe he could be MVP if he still did that with receivers but it has been amazing I think he only has three touchdowns but let me know who you think deserves these rewards these are my awards these are the players that uh I think are deserving but you know Maybe you have something different. I don't know. But also, and the surprises, don't forget, try to support the IB network. Uh, rate, subscribe, all that good stuff. And support the brand. Also, uh, you can become a Patreon member. And that's about five bucks a month. You get 
automatic posts to come through. You get Alan's best bets. And there's a whole bunch of other perks that you'll see to make sure the day. So let me know if you're interested in that. So until next time, this is the commission signing off. Give me some feedback.